Is there anybody there? It seems I'm all alone again. Does anybody care? This planet's empty. I see no signs of life. Please don't tell me that the human race did not survive. There are no people in the future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. Hey, everybody, 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 everybody. Welcome, welcome. Yes, it is Friday, February 2nd, 2024. Welcome to Raging Chicken's Friday Politics Roundup. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. Each week, we break down the good, the bad, and ugly in state and national politics. You can help support this show by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash RC Press for all the details. That's patreon.com slash RC Press. You can also help out the show now by heading over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for this show, and hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. Yes, and if you're one of our awesome podcast listeners, make sure to leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen on. And let, you know, leave a comment too. Let other people know why you like the show. Little things like this help other people find the show. Pretty straightforward, right? Well, on today's show, well, we're still easing into 2024, but, uh, you know, here we go. Have we seen the end of uh, Moms for Liberty? You know, there's been all that kind of bawdry sexual scandal going on down there in Florida. Um, well, Eh, don't count on it. Nope, they're not going anywhere. We'll get into a little bit of why. Uh, at least one theory on that. And GOP operative Clarice Schillinger's hypocrisy is heading to trial. Yes, who knows? Maybe we'll even find out that Paul Martino will be chipping in on our legal bills too. Maybe? I don't know. I mean, he did bankroll her attacks on public schools, but, you know, that was before his Philly restaurant, also called bankroll, <laughs> went bust. So who knows? Maybe he's hurting a little bit in the backside. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. And we're seeing that uh, Southerton School District and the Kutztown Area School District are also uh, facing the same kind of right-wing extremist attacks that we faced here in Penridge and uh, Central Bucks. But they are organizing to beat that back. Um, so we'll start kind of providing a little kind of introduction to that. Hopefully we're going to get some folks on the show from both Kutztown and Southerton to talk about what's happening. And a new coalition is just launched, right? That's going to coordinate information and organizing against extremist attacks on public schools in Pennsylvania. It is called the Pennsylvanias for Pennsylvanians for Welcoming and Inclusive Schools, or PA Wins. It's PA Wins. Coalition. We'll see what happens with that. For more PA Progressive Talk, tune into the Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern on his YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you get your streams. And subscribe to his podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the ricksmithshow.com for the latest across all his platforms. And you've got to check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast if you haven't already. The amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast. Rock the house. And they know where the bodies are buried. 
Make sure to follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. Excuse me, at, at the Night Caucus on Twitter. And subscribe to their podcast, podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. I guess I got to get the Anchor out of that uh, kind of uh, that little plug because Anchor has just been completely subsumed by Spotify now. Hey, more tech consolidation. What could go wrong? And if you haven't heard the signal, yes, I'm sure you've heard the signal by now. The signal is a new podcast from the Bucks County Beacon. It's actually in season two. We're entered year two. Incredible. The signal is hosted by the Beacon's editor in chief, Cyril Michaleko, and produced by yours truly. Twice a month, the signal will shine a light on right wing extremist currents streaming through Bucks County and beyond. Cyril invites guests who can provide insight, analysis, and organizing solutions so that we can steer the community toward calmer, saner, progressive roots. Check them out at buckscountybeacon.podbean.com. And also check out The Civic Circle. The Civic Circle is a podcast from the Bucks County Beacon that tackles politics and policy from a Gen Z lens. Sarah Zhang, Mallory Mar- Marson, I have her name there twice, Mar- Mar- sorry, Mallory Marson, and Alexandra Coffey are students from Bucks County, Pennsylvania. And once a month, they chat about activism, advocacy, and political happenings affecting their generation today. Check them out at Civic Circle podbean.com. We've got a new episode of The Civic Circle that will be dropping next week. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Gotta love it. Attention all you gamers out there. The Game In is a Quakertown-based black family-owned gaming store. They're friends of the show. They've got everything for retro N64s, the latest consoles, video games of all platforms, and loads of collectibles, action figures, and Funko Pops. Walls of Funko Pops. Good grades and report cards. Get your kids discounts, too. So, got a question about a game, looking for something hard to get. They've got you covered. Check them out on their Facebook page or follow them on Twitter at, at the Game In. That's with two N's. And shoot them a message or drop them an email at thegamingpa at gmail.com. And if you find yourself in the Kutztown area, or you're looking for a little kind of a, a you know, excuse me, you know, looking for a little day trip, something kind of awesome to do, well, you got to check out the Heart and Hearth Deli and Smokehouse. That's located at 466 West Main Street. That's Kitty Corner for the Kutztown University campus. Heart and Hearth is an American bistro featuring barbecue and French-inspired fare, all with locally sourced ingredients, all with organic ingredients. Got to love it. Got to go check them out um, and tell Colleen and Jim, right, they run the place, right, they're the cooks. Uh, tell them that Raging Chicken sent you. And a special, special shout-out goes to Jonathan Mann, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. You can check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at, at Song of Day Man. That's with two N's at Sangha Day Man on Twitter. Look, everybody, if you want a progressive future, we need progressive media. Support Pull No Punch's homegrown progressive media today. Become a patron for Raging Chicken for as little as five bucks a month. Simply go to patreon.com slash rcpress. We're here for the fight, but we need you. Become a patron for the price of a good beer once a month. Help keep the media in the movement and the movement in the media. Become a patron for as little as five bucks a month by going to patreon.com slash rcpress today. Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, it is our officially it's our first Friday show of 2024. Uh, very excited about that. And um, like I said, in this past Monday show and out to Coop Live is that, you know, we're kind of slowly kind of uh, wading back into this year um, as things are heating up pretty quickly. Of course, uh, there's so much that we could talk about <laughs> there's so much that's going on. 
Um, but we're going to stick to kind of, a, kind of just a few things today. Uh, also, if you know you're kind of uh, watching a live stream right now and you've got some things that are happening in your neck of the woods that you want to kind of throw in and uh, throw in chat to talk about, that'd be fantastic too as well. Love to hear more. We've got upcoming events, um, actions that are happening in the community that you uh, want to get the word out about. Go ahead and plug them in the chat and we'll kind of read them on air. We'll get that out um, as best we can. So a few things that I wanted to, um, to kind of highlight today. Um, so you may or may not have seen this, um, this, uh, or uh, I shouldn't say this. You may, I don't know how closely people are following it. I know that there's been a lot of folks who, uh, especially who have been dealing with uh, all the nonsense that has been happening um, with through Moms for Liberty and the kind of uh, the horrific impact they've been having on public on our public schools, um, um, on the the tenor of community meetings, um, all the vitriol and all the hate that they've kind of brought into um, uh, discussions around our school board. Well, you know that. So we've seen. Well, let's step back. So we know that there's been um, there's a, a a bunch of questions that not a bunch of questions there's been a bunch of issues that have been um, has come up about Moms for Liberty, particularly on the national level, right? So we know that um, um, I'm sorry, blah, 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 blah. we know that the Ziegler, who's like one of the founders, uh, or the Bridget Ziegler, um, the founder of um, Moms for Liberty down in Florida, um, there has been in uh, increasingly disturbing and um, uh, really messed up stuff going on with a kind of a, a kind of sexual scandal in here. Imagine right-wing extremists ending up in a sexual scandal, right? So here you have the kind of, you know, uh, Bridget Ziegler, uh, and her and her husband, who's also the GOP, was the chair of the GOP in Florida, Christian Ziegler. You know, turns out they've got this little little kind of threesome sex thing going on, kind of behind the scenes, right? Um, outside, while they're kind of like decrying, like our kids are or the decrying of morals and all this stuff. And then now, now there's been rape charges that have been brought against, or at least sexual assault charges brought against Christian Ziegler. Kind of that's been was part of this little tryst, this ongoing tryst. Um, and and, I, and you know. The, the hypocrisy goes so deep that you can't even you can't even believe it. But because of that, right, and because of the just you know absolute hypocrisy of what's going on and what happened with the kind of you know the leaders of Moms for Liberty at a national level, there's been some questions about um, you know Moms for Liberty's future. And at the same time, um. Moms for Liberty suffered some significant losses, right? I mean, they uh, were unable to get um, the uh, um, Hillsdale College curriculum passed, right, down in uh, um, down in Florida, where Bridget Siegler was the head of that school board. Um, they couldn't get that through, but of course, here in Penridge, <laughs> right, they were able to kind of go ahead and and hire good old Jordan Adams and bring in all the kind of Christian nationalist curriculum. Um, um, uh, you know, through his organization. Um, but, and they've disrupted all sorts of politics in the, in the district, as well as central bucks, as well as a bunch of other districts. Um, but we saw this past election that Penridge and, um, central bucks both 
beat back, right? The power of that big money and the mom's for liberty influence. And so there were some national arguments, you know, national kind of, uh, not national arguments, national articles that were speculating about the future of mom's for liberty. Um, now, you may remember that we had um, uh, Jennifer Berkshire. Um, she, uh, we, just Cyril Michaleco interviewed her for the Bucks County Beacon on the Signal. Um, and she writes about kind of a lot of this, uh, you know, kind of right-wing extremist stuff. And she and Jack Snyder has recently had an article in um, The Nation. Now, this is going back to December, so you may have already seen this. So I apologize if this is uh, if this is old news for you. But I think that they had a kind of an important analysis there. And and the reason why I wanted to bring it up now um, in, instead of, so, well, that was back in December, well, is in part because, you know, something comes out, uh, the article's published mid-December, you know, it's in the middle of the lead up to the holidays and stuff. So this kind of stuff can get lost um, quickly, easily. But she, you know... Uh, they had a good kind of really argument in casing here. So after kind of detailing a bunch of the reasons why, or the, 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 the problems that is kind of blowing up for moms for Liberty, right. Um, you know, uh, despite all that, we see that most Americans, as they say, the evidence is now clear as they are say here, most Americans aren't interested in the parental rights crusade or the paranoid extremism that it seeks to usher into the schools. Virtual everywhere the group fielded candidates for a school board last month, right? Because this is the summer, they lost. In Iowa, 12 of 13 Moms for Liberty endorsed candidates lost their race. In Pennsylvania, New Mexico, Virginia, and Kansas, the story was much the same. And as it turns out, projects like banning books and targeting transgender students aren't the galvanizing issues that the GOP had presumed. Right. So that was you know, they're referring to that, you know, so, oh, look, look, all, you know, does this is the end of it? Does this mean that, OK, they're wrong and stuff? I want to give you a little selection from this piece because I think it's going to be useful as a way of kind of situating what's going to be happening going forward and why these attacks on public schools are just not going away. Right. Um, and why Bombs for Liberty probably will not go away. Um, their message may change and all this stuff, but there's going to be attack. Before I even read this, I will say, and I've mentioned this before, this was my prediction, is that we're going to see a ramping up of going after teachers unions and teachers um, as kind of Paul Martino kind of telegraphed in uh, kind of a board meeting last year. But anyways, so th this is just what they say, and I'll read a little bit from this piece. Um, so they write, so why continue running on a losing pl platform? One reason is the divide between moderates and hardliners in the Republican Party. While suburban voters may be rejecting efforts to purge books from libraries, restrict how history is taught, and curtail the rights of students, these issues still resonate deeply with the GOP base. Moreover, the right-wing media ecosystem is dedicated to amplifying tales of zealous Marxist teachers and out-of-control trans athletes. Combine those factors with a party primary structure that rewards extremism, and it means that these issues aren't going anywhere. So that's the part one, the practical aspects of what's happening, what, what has happened to the Republican Party and what's happening in the GOP base. But here's the other part that's really key. But there's another reason Moms for Liberty and their allies are likely to remain a fixture in our politics. And while the stated goal of these groups is to win seats on local school boards and push education policy in a more conservative direction, their institutional back backers have always had a more expansive vision, that is the dismantling of public education. The Heritage Foundation, and a key supporter of Moms for Liberty since its inception, sees relentless culture warring as a key to its work peddling school vouchers. 
the more bitterness and resentment in and around the public schools um, that groups like Moms for Liberty can generate, the easier it will be to privatize education. The Manhattan Institute's Christopher Rufo, you remember he was also doing all the consulting work down in Florida. Um, the Manhattan Institute's Christopher Rufo summoned up his strategy, quite frankly, in a speech at Hillsdale College in 2021. Quote, to get to universal school choice, you really need to operate from a premise of universal public, uh, a universal public school distrust. Let me repeat that. This is what he said publicly. To get to universal school choice, you really need to operate from a premise of universal public school distrust. The target is about the distrust, right? The specific message, the funders, okay, let's be clear. There are these, uh, like the folks on the ground, the kind of deeply religious operatives, the Christian nationalists, right? And again, there's overlap here. But they, they want to undermine like public schools. And the way you have to do that, you have to break the trust that people have in their schools, like in their teachers and so on. Okay. So why does the far right want to pull apart public education? Well, there are several motivating factors. First is the cost. We spend the better part of a trillion dollars each year educating the 50 million students enrolled in the nation's public schools. For conservatives, set on eliminating taxation, privatizing education has always been a long holy grail. Second is the fact that public education is the nation's most heavily unionized sector. The American Federation of Teachers maintains roughly 1.7 million members, while the National Education Association has roughly 2 million members on its role. That's locally in Pennsylvania, that's PSEA, Pennsylvania State Education Association. Many on the right are offended by the very idea of organized labor, but the GOP also has a pragmatic interest in undermining unions, which traditionally turns out, uh, which traditionally turns out for the Democratic Party. Then finally, there's the fact that public education is designed to advance the common good rather than individual values and interests. For religious fundamentalists and committed libertarians, this borders on Soviet-style collectivism. Most Americans happen to actually like public education, despite decades of attacks on the public schools, from systemic underfunding to overheated claims about declining test scores, most parents have been consistently positive about their children's schools. And the public continues to express confidence in professional educators and democratic governance of schools. That's small d democratic. But if your goal is to undermine faith in public education and to advance a narrative that Americans are so hopelessly divided that public schools are no longer possible, then it makes sense to keep fanning the flames, even if the cause is a loser at the polls. Many culture war candidates may think that the purpose of their crusade is to take charge of the public education system, but the money behind those candidates has a bigger purpose in mind. The purpose of the flames is to burn the system to the ground. Okay, there you go. So well said. And again, that appeared in The Nation on December 15th. I'll call and say Moms for Liberty isn't going anywhere. Um, and I think why that is useful in my mind, right, especially as, you know, we see, yes, the decline of the vitriol um, to some degree in Penridge and Central Bucks, but now we see it ramping up in other districts. Um, the reason why that's important is because if we understand that they – that ultimately the messaging machine and the money machine is not committed to one specific agenda, right? They will shift 
they will be hypocritical. It'll appear to the vast majority of us completely hypocritical, a 180 degree turn from where they went before. They said one thing on one day, they'll say one thing the next day. That doesn't, that doesn't matter to those folks. It doesn't matter to the minions, right? To the marchers, to the, you know, the people with the tiki torches, where they're coming out to these uh, school board meetings. They're not, they don't care. They're getting their kind of messaging, marching orders, if you will. Um, from these think tanks, right, that are funneled through churches, that are funneled through local organizations and propagated by kind of millionaires like, you know, Paul Martino, Paul Martino and uh, like Andy Meehan and, uh, and Jim Worthington and all, you know, all these folks that we've become familiar with here in Bucks County, right? So they'll shift their message, right? But ultimately, right, part of, I think, what the agenda is has to be for the kind of the organizing and the continued organizing, is an affirmative defense of public schools, right? That the building out, this is an opportunity, especially in like Penridge and Central Bucks, right? Part of our opportunity now, right? And I think I would argue part of the necessity is to continue to build a public argument for the importance of public schools and why public schools are so essential. Now, the good thing about it is what we saw in um, the organizing efforts in, in Penridge and, and, um, and Central Bucks is that message was contained in the organizing, right? You know, the whole idea about, you know, like all kids, you know, this is a space for all kids. This is a space to make sure that all kids are kind of there because they're kids, right? Which is great. Um, but there's also bigger questions, you know, because you see if they go after curriculum about history, right? You know, this is where, you know, Christopher Rufo's attack on, uh, on um, you know, the, the whole fabricated, you know, CRT stuff, the critical race theory and all that kind of stuff. The reason why they go after that, right, is because they're just trying to say, oh, my God, the teachers, right, and the school district, but the teachers in particular, right, are are, are looking to kind of brainwash our kids into their liberal leftist Marxist agenda, right? And we see it everywhere, right? And, you know, this is, and it's the same argument that we see in other spaces in our culture. You know, I, I don't want to talk too much about this today just because, well, a bunch of reasons, but the, uh, what we saw about these, these right-wing conspiracies um, around Taylor Swift and the Super Bowl, right? If you look you just kind of dig down a little bit. I was like reading something, I think it was at Forbes of the Wall Street Journal. They're like, okay, you're probably wondering what the hell's going on with those Taylor Swift conspiracies. Well, let me just tell you what it's about. But if you look at what this, um, what the roots are and what the logic of their attacks are, it's the same things that we're seeing in public schools, right? The idea is that there is some kind of cabal, there is some kind of like, you know, organized effort to kind of, um, you know, brainwash like like the people to kind of be unfair and all that. And then they're kind of carrying this plan out through X, Y, and Z. And the Taylor Swift conspiracies, it's because, you know, it's about the Super Bowl and they're, you know, going to endorse Biden in order to do this. And it's like the secret strategy by these people. You know, again, if anybody's done any, any has spent any time in Democratic Party politics, like, you know, that the Democrats can't organize for the life of them, right? <laughs> like, as, as like a national party in terms of the long term agenda, right? They think they're the smartest people in the room, but they can't strategize, right? They're very bad at it, right? At the national level. So that's just kind of an amusing anecdote on the side. I don't mean about what's happening on the ground. I mean, just happening at a national level, like to kind of coordinate at a national level. It's just kind of funny. I'm getting better at it, but whatever. 
But it's the same logic. So that there is a some kind of conspiracy that's out there, and it, its origins, you know, shift from time to time. Sometimes it's Democratic Party. Sometimes it's like you know Marxist professors or feminist professors or you know uh, kind of like transsexual <laughs> professors, right? Um, any range of some scientists, right? So they tend to go after different groups of uh, you know experts. You know, who somehow secretly operate behind these, you know, closed doors in some smoky room someplace, except they don't smoke, of course, because they're worried about their health and they're trying to kind of like force you not to smoke too as well, <laughs> whatever. But, you know, it's that kind of idea. So the origins of like the assault, right, they never have to really specify. Of course, as we've talked about extensively over the past couple of years, right, as we see that, you know, Cyril Michalako over the, at the Bucks County Beacon is now is now working with uh, uh, Jenny Cohen, putting out this kind of like focused newsletter on Christian nationalism, right, they, the the, the the origins of this conspiratorial talk has has its has long has, has deep roots, right? It has deep roots in this country's um, kind of like rampant racism, its white supremacy. Um, we see, you know, when we talk about these conspiracies behind the scenes, right? Whole white nationalist, white supremacist trends, right? That kind of that's you know, okay, those are the Jews, right? That's the globalist, right? That's their kind of code words for that. So we have, you know, long roots in anti-Semitism, long roots in um, in kind of white supremacy, long roots in Christian patriarchy, right? They're always recycling this um, these kind of arguments, and they know. Right. Whether, you know, and again, and, and I, I don't even I say I think they have enough practice in being able to go after these like tender points, if you will, in our politics, right, where you people can you, know, you really kind of grab people's feelings, right, um, or the emotion so that you can kind of like bypass their, you know, their rational thinking. And you let them know that somebody that, you know, they're at risk. It's either playing on them, say they're being a victim Right. They are a victim of this conspiracy. Right. Or the people are going after their kids. Right. And really, and no matter all this, it's always about control. Right. It's always about maintaining power and keeping control of this particular, you know, nexus of kind of, say, uh, right power structure. Now, again, that is not a monolith. Right. Um, it doesn't just because, you, you know, we've got, I see, you know, capitalist power structure that's kind of rooted in all these traditions. Like there's that's, you know, who's who's consistent that power structure is not just one group. But the fight has been right, of late of those folks who want to maintain a kind of a white Christian nationalist patriarchal order. <laughs> right. That are, are that is that is kind of rules over unbridled capitalism. Right. I mean, there's our kind of nexus of what we see happening on the right. And, and they're fairly well organized. So in that piece by Jennifer Berkshire and Jack Schneider, what they're pointing out, right, helping us, I think, you know, conveniently helping the rest of us see, right, and, and make sense of, is that public schools, they're going after that because it is a, a source, a, from their perspective, of counter- power, right? a place where critical thinking can happen, for example, where they cannot control the message because the whole point behind education and critical thinking is that you're bringing multiple perspectives into play, right? You're allowing that, say, those controversies to be there 
or points of discussion and critical thinking. That's what it means to be kind of supposed to mean at least about growing up in a democratic culture is that you're learning that process of critical thinking and exchange. You're learning that people are not all the same, that people are really different and are looking for ways of kind of building, say, empathy and understanding, even if you don't disagree with, even if you don't agree with that other person ultimately about something, but at least you can kind of have a sense that this is like a human being that's, you know, worthy of participating in this culture, worthy of kind of being heard. Right. And that's the, you know, part of what goes on. And of course, that battle consists like how we think about history, because history is one of these, like, how we think about like who belongs and who's excluded, how we think about national borders versus globe, like kind of like humanity as a whole. Right. All these things get to play. The right wing wants to pin all this stuff down and freeze it in time where the rest of us, right, are at least open to the idea that the world changes. <laughs> right. And new things happen, right? So, you know, that was kind of, I think, just a really good piece. And it's also, you know, a kind of a setup for like, okay, Moms for Liberty, yes, it was defeated in a bunch of these other high-profile cases, but it's not, they're not going away. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk just a little bit about with was that what was, you know, again, to begin to introducing this a little bit now, because I think that I'd like to have some folks on from the Saturday School District, some of the organizers that are out there, some folks out in Kutztown um, who are, you know, looking to connect up with um, and who have already connected up with um, some of the organizers and the people that have um, kind of worked to help elect folks in Central Bucks and, um, and, and Penridge. Right. So, like. One of the things that's interesting right now that's happening right now in the uh, Souderton School District is that what well, if you well let, let's put it this way you may let me see if we can take you back a little bit let me see if I can find this one of course of course of course not this one. Oh God, I didn't, I didn't save it. Oh shoot. Well, if you remember last, this is last summer. I think we mentioned this on the show last summer. Um, there was an opening on the Southern area school board. Somebody left or stepped down from their position and the school board majority, again, kind of Republican dominated school board, the school board. It's not, you know, they appointed somebody to um, um to fill that open open position somebody who was actually already planning on running for school board so they put that person in like in the seat the problem with this was is that one there was no public process number two there was a range of candidates who were running for office and none of, and none of the ones particularly on the democratic side i think were even notified that this was actually happened they were going to appoint someone and so the public was kind of taken aback. So you have a school board meeting where they're announced there's going to be an appointment. Nobody knows like that much about this person so far. Anybody who does, they don't have the details about like how to stop this, whatever it might be. And so they appoint this one guy and I would, this is, I don't have it in front of me, which is killing me right now, but they report this one guy who turns out he has um, a kind of, if you look at his guy's social media, this guy is an extremist, right? He has got like the three percenter militia, uh, militia stickers on his car, right? Apparently he's got them in his office, right? He's got, uh, he's post pictures of himself in that kind of like the, uh, the Spartan three percenter helmet, um, 
tattoo, you know, all this kind of stuff where this is in a, in a democratic process, in a public process for public schools, this is something that the public should have an opportunity to consider that, you know, you're going to appoint this guy with right-wing extremist um, politics, who's actually publicly at least proclaims to be part of this three percenter militia organization and you're going to point this person ahead uh, to run or to be one of the people that will run those public schools in Southern. That's a problem. Well, since then, and it's not just since it's not just that issue. We see that there has been the elections in Southern has kind of like has cemented an even more right wing um, school board majority. Um, and there are folks that are seriously concerned uh, of what's going to happen to their curriculum. What's also happening there is it turns out that one of the wedges, I guess, of uh, or one of the angles for which to see what is happening there is to see this kind of emerging battle over transparency in the Southern area school districts. Right. So there was just a meeting a few days ago. Right. It was Monday, I guess. Um, there was just a uh, a meeting on Monday which was uh, which demanded to have uh, which people showed up demanded that the meetings be live streamed right and that documents that are important to school board decisions are going to be made available <laughs> to the public right I mean that doesn't seem too uh, like too crazy right so, um, so this past, so this, you know, uh, uh, on Monday night, there were some votes and this is kind of a really interesting thing. This is very instructive. I think about, um, how, like the kind of places for which that the kind of folks can organize. Right. And if you remember at the Palisade school district, you know, we had, um, um, Amy was on the show kind of a few, a few times talking about what's happened up in, uh, um, um, Palisades. Um, and that was one of the things that they were really pushing for. They wanted their live streaming and archiving of the live streams made available to the public, right? In the spirit of kind of more transparency It's like, let, let's face it. It's like, not all of us out there can, can, can make all the school board meetings, right? But if we have an investment in our community schools, right, we should be able to at very least have access to them. So like, say, for example, if I'm, if I'm a resident who's, uh, who's kind of say, you know, physically disabled, for example, right. Um, and it's difficult for me to kind of get to a school board meeting, especially if the weather is really nasty, right. I should not be inhibited to have, to know what's going on at the very, the very minimum, I should be able to have detailed, uh, agendas and documents available to me and detailed minutes that's available. But more importantly, in the age of streaming, <laughs> right, you should be able to stream those live and then archive those things like most other, well, I, I, I don't, I hesitate to say most, but many other school districts do. Certainly Penridge does that and Central Bucks, even through some of the most heated contestatory um, 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 parts of what's happening in the school district, they were streamed live and they were archived. And Palisades was able to kind of win that. Right. They won it on they won the the uh, the live streaming of, of board meetings right on the argument about transparency. Right. And again, that's a, a really kind of, I think, important, an important way of thinking about um, kind of, say, demands is making demands for 
you know, I would say democratic demands, right? Open transparency, right? They're universal demands, right? So they're access to all, not just a select group of people, right? And if these people that are running these school boards who supposedly are elected and representing the people in that district, right? And that school board is spending district money and district tax money, that people should be able to have some degree of a kind of direct oversight, right? And participation in that process. Well, so Palisades won that. Now, Souderton, turns out, they do not live stream their meetings, right? And um, the uh, number of parents and, uh, and community members showed up to that meeting on Monday. Um, and that was one of the primary demands is to have transparency and live stream these meetings so that people have access to them. This became, so I want to read a part. This is a, a piece from uh, Jenny Stevens in the Bucks County Beacon. It was published just a couple days ago um, about the, the Saturday school board meeting. So, so here's a, I'll just read a little bit, right? As, let's see, where should I start? Talked about a number of things as a, ba, ba, ba. Well, here, I'll just read you so you have context. So the Sauterton School Board voted last week to approve several actions, including financial statements and check and, and check listings, requests to attend conferences and workshops, and amend the health and safety plan, a second day of reading of policy 251, a professional service agreements, change orders from Franconia, and Indian Valley Outdoor Services proposal, a letter of intent for developing a guaranteed energy savings agreement with SiteLogic Energy Services, Inc., and ICS, and a guaranteed energy savings agreement. So quite a bit, right? Lots of financial stuff took place, contracts, legal stuff right, that was happening there. Um, Jenny goes on to say, at best, sections of certain documents may have been featured in a slide presentation during the January committee meetings. Nevertheless, a significant number of taxpayers and parents have been unable to access any portion of these documents. Quote, the public has every right to know, uh, every right to have this information. And if the district won't provide it, we're going to use every tool available, including the right to know process to get the information out there, unquote, said Stephanie Barnett Jameson, uh, Sauterton parent and taxpayer. Quote, maybe eventually the district will get the hint and start um, posting this information on their website like other school districts around us, unquote. Nearly every public comment at Thursday's meeting pertained uh, Thursday. I'm sorry, Thursday, I said Mondays. Thursday's meeting pertained to transparency. Quote, at the January 10th committee meeting, the audience was told that the roof was not in the original scope of work due to the cost, unquote, said Alex Wisser, a parent in the district. Quote, so I need to wonder how the district is now able to afford the fi to fix this situation, especially as there are no attachments to tonight's agendas regarding the details of how the situation will be remedied, unquote. Corinne DeGaiso of Upper Salford also asked for the ability to see documents. Quote, I'm asking the board to please make the necessary changes to encourage more parental engagement at a district level by implementing the following. One, include the presentations and other materials as attachments with the meeting's agenda on board docs. Two, record the committee meetings and post them on the district website. Three, archive all meeting recordings instead of just posting them for 30 days, unquote. And finally, I just wanted to come, another comment, I just wanted to come and encourage live streaming of the board meetings and also recording of committee meetings, if possible, to make them more accessible, unquote, said District Resident Rosemary um, Boydekoffer, a member of the Southern Area of Responsible Leadership Slate, who ran for the school board last November. Quote, we have this great program, Board Docs. I don't think we're, um, I don't think we utilize it enough, said John Waldenberger, parent from Telford. 
Well, for example, tonight we approved a second reading of a policy. I don't know if this is a good policy. I don't know if it's a bad policy. I see nothing about this policy on board docs other than it exists. And we just passed the second reading, but I didn't hear any reading of the policy, unquote. Right. And this it kind of goes on. And basically what's so what's there, what they're kind of like focusing on is like the transparency of the decision making process. Right. Now, this is this is important kind of in two two ways, right? Two kind of like uh, important ways. One at just the baseline axis of transparency. Right. The fact that that they're having a second reading of a policy to which the public has no idea what that policy is. They hadn't seen the first reading of it because it took place behind closed doors and it was not streamed. And if somebody could not make that meeting, couldn't be at that meeting, didn't know the meeting exists, right? They don't know what the policy is about. So what the demand is, is like you open up your proceedings so that everybody can kind of look at what you're doing, right? This is important for a couple of reasons. One, if you're talking about the awarding, excuse me, of contracts, right? as you know, someone in the district as someone who's paying taxes, that's kind of supporting these schools, right? You want to make sure that, okay, that this is a good contract, that people on the board aren't just kind of giving it to their buddies, right? They aren't just kind of saying, Hey, you know what? My, like, uh, my friend John's company, uh, does, uh, does uh, roof repair. You know, I'm just gonna, I'm going to give him a call up and tell him that he's got the job, right? I'm not suggesting that's what happened here. All I'm saying is that no one knows, right? That's the importance of having that stuff out there. And then plus, you know, as we saw with Jordan, Jordan Adams, um, kind of Vermillion contract here in, in Penridge, right? That without that scrutiny of the contract, suddenly we got a contract that was signed, signing the giving money to Jordan Adams with no cap on the expenditures. No ability to talk about what was in that contract, right? Or whether even that's a, the idea of that contract was a good one, right? So that is true for roof repairs as it is for curriculum consultants, right? And that leads me to that second point, right? So one, you have the baseline of transparency, but more so is that given the fact that we see, we know the pattern now, right? Of how these kind of uh, these, these right-wing organizations go after curriculum and are seeking to change the school. We know who they hire. We know who they bring in for consultant, right? the independence law center, right. You know, like the, you know, we've got, had multiple discussions about that. So transparency becomes important in being able to kind of cut off some of the worst effects of this, of this extremist organization, right. Before it already happens, right. To, to make, to organize around it. And if you don't have, if you don't know the stuff is coming, then it's too late by the time you find out about it and they've passed it, right? We know that from the Penridge experience, we know that what happened in Penridge, despite the fact that they have live stream stuff, that you still had board members, Jordan Blomgren, who for in particular, who is still on the board, who went behind everybody else's back, didn't inform half of the people on the, um, uh, uh, on the, on the school board, right? And independently negotiated a contract for which all of us were going to be financially and kind of like curricularly liable, right? We were going to have to have incur the cost of her decision, right? We also saw stuff like that. Darren Lawson's lawsuit against the Penridge School District about its book banning, right? 
There's a negotiating of this book banning, changes in that book banning policy, at, you know, to have it publicly available for everybody to look at ahead of meetings. And even then, you know, they tried, they tried to post things at the last minute, right? The last legal minute, right? They had to do it 24 hours ahead. So they do it like, you know, 23 hours and 59 minutes ahead of time, right? And so parents and like community members scrambling through the evening, like into, into the night, trying to kind of like read the policy to figure out what was going on, right? So they're going to try it anyways. They're going to try to kind of get this stuff in and 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 work the system anyways. But at the very least, you got to have that baseline of, of of transparency. So this is kind of a really cool to see this organizing happening in Souderton, right? Um, same thing happened in 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 Kutztown. Now this is not of the questions of transparency there, right? But we saw a um, an emergence of a kind of a a more firmly implanted right wing extremist um, majority on the school board. And I know that the parents and community members there are are deeply concerned about the directions what's going to happen in the school, which is why we're going to I'm introducing that today, right? And hopefully, going to get some folks on to be able to talk some more about it. Um, so there's that. Um, so good stuff. Let me see if I had anything else I wanted to say on that. Ba -ba -ba. No, that's pretty much it on Saturday. So this introduced. So the other thing I did, I think I did want to talk about a little bit is uh, um, good old Clarice Schillinger, um, who you may or may not kind of be familiar with. Um, I know that uh, uh, my good old friend Sean Kitchen out there in Harrisburg. Uh, wait, why is this? Oh, here we go. Hold on just a second. Something is uh, not right here. Where is the... Yeah, okay. Um, so Clarice Schillinger, um, I say Sean's deeply familiar with it, is because she was uh, one of the folks, uh, one of the people that filed a lawsuit with the backing of uh, Paul Martino's money basically against um, PA Spotlight when PA Spotlight was still around. And um, they sued them because they, uh, PA Spotlight exposed the money behind um, some of these uh, political action committees that in particular keeping kids in school pack um, were, uh, you know, who was behind it, basically exposing it and making claims about um, what the agendas were. Right. And there was a lawsuit and they ultimately lost that lawsuit. Not PA, PA Spotlight, I should say. PA Spotlight won that lawsuit um, against Clarice Schillinger and. Um, and, uh, you know, by extension, Paul Martino. So who is she? Right. So great piece in the Philadelphia Inquirer. So I'm just going to, you know, it's easier to just to tell you this, read this because it's nice and succinct. So so Schillinger was she has held a predominant role in local school politics. She held a political she led a political action committee keeping kids in school, which we are all too familiar with, that opposed pandemic school closures before being tapped by Bucks County venture capitalist Paul Martino in 2021 to lead the back to school PA pack that poured more than $500,000 of Martino's money into school board races, largely backing Republican candidates. So if you got $10,000 dropped into your school board race from Paul Martino, she was the one who was leading that pack to help distribute to and identify those races in which they were gonna put their money in, right? Those, that's that, that 
big chunk of money from Paul Martino that helped turn school board race uh, school boards um, to more extreme uh, venues. So in 2022, she ran as a Republican lieutenant, uh, ran as a re Republican for lieutenant governor, but she lost in the May primary. And she continued to work with Martino last year as executive director of a federal PAC that he launched, Back to School USA, which said it aimed to combat, quote, liberal teachers unions and special interest groups that are responsible for indoctrinating our children. But I tell you, there you go, right? Liberals, teachers, unions, and special interest groups that are responsible for indoctrinating our, ch indoctrinating our children. So there's where Paul Martino's kind of brain trust went, right? The problem, of course, for Paul Martino's money um, and this kind of right-wing agenda is that Clarice Schillinger turns out to be quite a uh, piece of work, shall we say. So she just, on this past Monday, uh, I don't know how much people are kind of familiar with kind of what happened here, but um, she was basically um, charged um, with providing alcohol to minors, right? Um, and contributing, I don't know if she it put into contributing to delinquency of a minors or how, what, what the particular charges were. Um, but basically she had a party for her daughter, um, for her 17th birthday. She invite, invited a number of people over to her house, right? So, uh, her, her daughter's friends and basically told them all like, Hey, everybody bring any alcohol you want. Right. So here's the opening from Maddie Haney's piece in the Philadelphia Inquirer. So teenagers who attended a boozy 17th birthday party that former GOP lieutenant governor candidate Clarice Schillinger hosted for her daughter last fall described on Monday a drunken scene to a Bucks County judge, including descriptions of Schillinger sitting on a boy's lap and repeatedly taking shots of vodka during the party in her Doylestown home. One teenager, teenager also testified that Ms. Clar Ms. Cl Clarice, is how they referred to her, Ms. Clarice punched him in the chin as he left the house with other friends. Their departure spurred by Schillinger's boyfriend growing increasingly drunk and um, belligerent, allegedly assaulting another teen who testified. After the hearing, after hearing their testimony, testimony Judge Stacy Workman held Schillinger who led a political action committee that targeted school boards over for trial on charges, including simple assault, harassment, and furnishing alcohol to minors. And then it goes into all the things that the teenagers said. Right. I'll give you a little bit of a flavor. Testifying at the district court in Jameson, three teenagers whom prosecutors identified by their initials to protect their privacy told their stories about a night of September 29th when they were invited to a surprise birthday party at Schillinger's house on Liz Circle for her daughter, who was turning 17. In a group chat before the party, two girls said that Schillinger, 36, had told them, quote, you could bring alcohol, unquote, said one of the teens, a 16-year-old high school sophomore. Quote, it was common knowledge, unquote, that you could drink at Schillinger's house, the boy said. You didn't have to ask. Inside the house, the basement was festive, Decked out in neon colors, the boy said. There was also a bar, a beer pong table, and then at the back. The bar was stocked with New Amsterdam vodka and Malibu rum, the teen said. Schillinger, her boyfriend, and parents were drinking upstairs, but the teen said Schillinger was in the basement with them for part of the night. Another boy, also a high school sophomore, testified that he was Schillinger's partner in beer pong, which they played with vodka. He said he took about that he said he took about 15 shots and remembered the night up till until he fell asleep in the bathroom. The other sophomore, he said, observed Schillinger repeatedly taking shots, estimated five to eight. 
he said he wasn't drinking, but almost all of the 15 to 20 people at the party were. At one point, he went upstairs to find his girlfriend, who was throwing up in the bathroom. As he waited for her outside, he said Schillinger and her boyfriend, Shan Wilson, are, or heard them arguing. Schillinger said that Wilson had punched a wall, the boy said. He, asked, he said he asked Schillinger if she wanted Wilson to leave, and he said yes. And Wilson grabbed my neck and slammed me into the wall. A third teenager who testified, an 18-year-old freshman at Rosemont College, said he wasn't drinking, but that Schillinger was. And at one point, sitting on his lap while he was lounging on a beanbag, Schillinger told my teenager told the teenager that, quote, you're my favorite, he said. And to get out of the situation, he said, he told her he had to go to the bathroom. And it goes on. Right? So this is, this is the woman who ran the pack to protect kids, <laughs> right? Now, again, it is like, it is, it is almost uninteresting to hear of a case of, just like with Moms for Liberty, to hear of a case, oh, we have some right-wing kind of extremists or Christian nationalists and all this stuff, turns out that they are doing exactly the things that they are claiming that the liberals, teachers, unions, and other organizations are doing. Right? That they are some of the worst perpetrators. Right? So they're fine with this situation. Right? She's like one of these folks, right? She's going out there, oh, the pedophiles that are out there. And there she is, sitting on the lap of a teenager saying, you're my favorite, while shooting shots of vodka, right? I mean, there you have it, right? So, you know, the, the reason why this, this, I think this is so, uh, this kind of stands out for me again, because it's, it's such a clear case, it's such a local case. And it shows you that these people, right, they are, they don't care about half the crap that they say. They just want to control other people. They want their agenda and their ideas. They want control and they want domination. That's what they want. As soon as you find out what happens, like kind of like in their personal life, you find out that they are freaking horrific. So there you have it. So anyways, uh, you know, good for you. Good for you, Clarice. Clarice. Good luck to you. Not really. So, you know, and again, the other thing, the other thing is a little bit frustrating about this, right, is that I can't believe for the life of me that someone like Paul Martino doesn't know this about her. And yet that guy is not going to, is not going to face any consequences. It's frustrating. So anyways, 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 keep it light. So, um, last thing I want to kind of want to, I kind of want to point out. So, uh, I don't know if you caught this. This was uh, this just came out what a couple days ago. Uh, Chris O'Leary had a great piece on this in the, uh, um, Philly Burbs. 
Bucks County Courier Times, um, about the new coalition that is merged called Pennsylvania's for Welcoming and Inclusive Schools. And I'll just read you a little bit from uh, Ulrich's piece. It said, nearly 20 local, state, and national advocacy groups are taking the lessons they've learned for fighting extremist school board policies since 2022 in Pennsylvania to create a network of resources for parents, students, and teachers concerned about those in those influences in their districts. Pennsylvanians for Welcoming Inclusive Schools officially launched last week, but the coalition has been working in some form or another for over the past two years, starting with Penridge and Central Bucks School Districts in Bucks County. Alex Domingo, spokesman for the ACLU uh, PA, said Tuesday that PA Wins is meant to be a hub of information. Quote, this effort is really a response to book bans and censorship, discriminatory policies being introduced, trans exclusion policies and other policies that aim to stifle of speech and or expression, Domingo said. And it really began with the parents and students and school staff who were shocked and taken off guard by how quickly and intently school boards moved to pass these very um, similar measures. Central Bucks and Penridge have gained national notoriety for pa passing uh, policies that made it easier to challenge library books in featuring LGBTQ issues and systemic racism, ban pride flags, and restrictive transgender athletes. Domingo said the coalition actually began with the ACLUPA began when, when the ACLUPA began working with NAACP Bucks County and other local groups in Penridge to investigate claims of harassment and discriminatory policies in early 2022. The Education Law Center in Pennsylvania, another PA Wins member, has been calling on numerous school districts across Pennsylvania to reject a number of allegedly discriminatory policies and administrative actions. And Ashley Gillis Perkins, who you may remember from this show, we had um, we had uh, Ashley uh, Gillis Perkins on, um, along with Adrian King, um, to talk about um, uh, the lawsuit that was being filed. Um, so anyway, Ashley Gillies Perkins, staff attorney with ELC, said Tuesday that there are, quote, a number of committed individuals and organizations that work day in and day out to get allegedly discriminated policies and primary affect vulnerable communities past the school boards and state legislatures. The coalition efforts here are just make us all stronger, she said. So I'm excited about this. Um, this is another one of these, uh, just I'm trying to give you like a bunch of different kind of, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like, like a little, not, not foreshadowing, but kind of like a, uh, teasers, if you will. Um, so this is another group that I'm going to, I'm reaching out to, right. To see if we can get them to come on the show to talk a little about this coalition coalition and kind of what some of the plans are. Um, and we'll see, if we go from there. So if you, the other thing I want to pitch out to all you folks, um, Oh, Hey, Emily, sorry. I was, wasn't paying attention to my chat. What's going on. Um, so, um, the, uh, the other thing I would say, you know, if you have ideas for uh, guests or things, things that you come across in your reading and your reporters and stuff like that, I am, I am, I would love it, right? If you throw that stuff my way, um, you can just email, email me at ragingchickenpress at gmail.com. Um, you can kind of hit me up on social media, like some, like lots of folks do. Uh, a lot of times the guests that we have on the show um, come from little tips I get from people, right? Say, Hey, you, you see this thing, you check this stuff out. So, oh, that's great. I should reach out to them. Right. I check out what happens over at the, uh, at the Bucks, uh, Bucks, uh, <laughs> the Bucks County beacon, uh, was, uh, my brain, uh, Bucks County beacon, see what's reporting there. We get some of those folks on. Right. Um, so lots of cool stuff like Tabitha D'Angelo, for example, has got a new column. That's kind of a regular writer over the Bucks County beacon. going to reach out to her again to see if we can get her on like a, I reached out to her last, last, like this, this past, uh, uh the end of last year. Um, but couldn't kind of coordinate something. 
got to reach out. So hopefully we'll be able to get her on and talk about some of the things that she's doing with the Bucks County Beacon. So things like that. You have ideas, you have um, uh, suggestions about uh, who to bring on the show for particular for Out to Coop Live. Um, I definitely dig it. One last thing I'll tell you um, before I sign off for the day is that kind of got this cool um, uh, uh, I, I, I just think it's gonna be fun. Let's put it that way. I think it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be interesting. And I'm, it's gonna be a little bit out of the box for what we kind of normally do. Um, so uh, there's this guy, right? Um, his name is James Meyer. Right. James Meyer is running for um, New York State Senate up in kind of the Anadi County. Um, it is uh, it's killing me. I can't really see. Let me see what it is. The third. Is it the third district? 53rd district. Um, it's 53rd. Yeah. 53rd district up in uh, in New York State and uh, running for the New York State Senate. And uh, we're, I'm going to be interviewing him. I, if all works out, I'll be interviewing him on Monday. Uh, it's not going to be during our regular time, so it'll be a pre-record. Uh, depending on how some of the other guests that that I've been trying to schedule work out, um, we might run that interview on Monday night, or it might wait to a kind of another date. Uh, other idea, other kind of like you know housekeeping stuff. Uh, Steve Oros, who I mentioned on the show on Monday, we're going to have him back on the show after he just won a federal case against Kutztown University on discrimination um, for lack of accommodations for disabilities. Um, I th- it looks like probably the toward the end of the month, either the 19th or the 26th. I think those dates are right. Let me just check my calendar. 19th or 26th, most likely the 26th. Uh, we're going to have Steve Oros and his lawyer on um, to talk about what happened in that case, to talk about what the findings were and some implications that may have for national um, cases on questions of disability and accommodation. So that should be a kind of really cool show coming up. Um, so and then I, the other ones that I ha- I, don't, I don't know, I haven't formalized too much yet, so I don't want to get too too far ahead of myself. Um, but like I said, reaching out to folks at PA Wins, reaching out for some kind of other organizations. If you remember, there was a, um, well, I, I'm going to leave it at that. So reach out for some of those. So we got some kind of cool shows coming up here um, kind of in February. Um, next week, the uh, next Civic Circle from the Bucks County Beacon is going to be published, and that's going to run. Cyril has got uh, a stack of awesome interviews coming up um, that um, – you're going to, it's going to be hitting your streams very soon um, from uh, for, the, for the signal. So lots of cool stuff happening, lots of cool coordination happening. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of look, f- look forward to where this all goes. You know what I mean? I'm, uh, I'm just kind of like very excited. I'm very excited about all that is happening, all that is happening here. Uh, one of the thing that I did want to mention, if I could find it, uh, well, nope, there was one. Kind of, anyways, um, so lots of good stuff coming up. And um, I really look forward to um, all that's kind of coming up. I know that the presidential stuff has been starting to ramp up, right? Um, and yes, I know that I have not kind of mentioned uh, Trump once until now or Biden until now, or the national politics at all at this point, and there's a lot going on. Um, but Ron, to kind of keep this one kind of little local as we kind of get started up um, before uh, 
you know, to really kind of keep our focus on, like on the ground uh, and kind of locally um, before all this stuff gets swamped up in the kind of national presidential election stuff. So anyways, thank you all for taking the time uh, for being with me here today. Uh, great to see folks kind of coming out, looking forward to uh, seeing you out there, see you on the socials, uh, figuring out what the next steps are going to be here in Bucks County and beyond. Um, but for now, this is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. Um, we are out of here, folks. We are out of here. You know what I'm saying? There are no people. See ya. I agree with you, Emily. President Royce is boring <laughs> right now no with you. See ya. I guess I'll fly away now.